Welcome to the Build Up on Balls.ie in association with Labrooks. Please bet responsibly. Visit dunlui.net for further information. Right, delighted to say we're joined by Stephen Ferris, as we always are on the show when we talk about rugby. Stevie, it was all back last weekend. We had two interpros at the Aviva Stadium. You were covering both games, you were at both games. We talked last week about what the atmosphere was going to be like and how kind of odd it would be and maybe we were prepared for it by watching other sports for the last few months. Was there anything that kind of surprised you, I suppose, uh, that you weren't quite expecting either way, whether it was, uh, you know, for better or worse? Yeah, um, yeah, I think I was slightly surprised. Um, Surprised by all the lads sitting on the bench, more or less acting like cheerleaders for their team. Mm -hmm. Like it was... Um, it was bizarre like you know somebody puts in a big hit and there's 20 lads on the bench standing up and like it was almost like NFL and there was like a lot of whooping and wah and all this here you know on the bench and I was like lads pipe down you know you get beaten 26-20 uh, and you're you know hurrahing and all over the um, on the bench because like so when Ulster bring a team generally it's the same thing when Ulster Leinster or whatever they're going down to play a match. Yes, there's 23 players involved in the in the team, but they would generally bring maybe 30. So, like, just in case there's anybody that drops out uh, in the warm-ups or, you know, somebody sick on the way down in the bus or whatever it may be, they always bring four or five extra bodies. So those four or five extra bodies were the, the people who were, you know, giving it all big licks on the on the sideline, even though they weren't involved. So it, it was really strange to kind of witness that because I haven't seen that since my... My old playing days, like Dungannon or Portadown or something, where you know the referee makes a bad decision and the whole bench jumps up, you know, like ah, oh, shouting and uh, giving off. So yeah, that was really strange, and I suppose that still happens on a match night, but you don't see it or hear it because there's fifty thousand people there, mm. um, you know, probably doing something similar. So yeah, uh, yeah that that was very strange, um, I suppose. I've been used to like over the years hearing Slayton and sledging and everything else between two teams on the pitch. Uh, but because there was no fans, you could hear that um, a lot clearer. So uh, that was good to hear. Um, the likes of Bundy and uh, James Lowe at the weekend, you know, giving it giving it big big licks. So no, it was good. Um, <laughs> just very straight, just very strange. There's no atmosphere, and that yeah. was the main point. It was it was two good games considering there was no atmosphere from the crowd uh, and I'm sure adrenaline and everything wouldn't have been as high. Of course, it's not going to be as high when you don't have um, the thousands uh, cheering you on. Yeah, no, it it felt weird at times. Like I know that even you know the the, the Henshaw ring rose try, you know, the little kick through or something that felt like a lesser try when you suddenly you don't hear the cheers of the of the crowd, you know, or even the, the monster in the corner, there was all of them, you know, they just, they felt like not as big a deal as they actually were. It was only on the replay, we were like, geez, that was actually a beautiful little move, you know. Um, but I suppose that that's just something we'll all get used to in times, I think, you know. Um, one thing I was thinking, though, watching the games was, uh, I'm going to use Johnny Sexton as an example, but he's not the only one, is how beneficial this, you know, break might have been for some players like people will have missed long time over with injuries over the years but nobody will have ever missed as much time while fit as these guys have you know if you you've so like nobody's ever really not played rugby for six months while fit and someone like Johnny Sexton who's had so many niggly injuries they mightn't have always been keeping him out of games but when was the last time he was 100% you go in you're 35 
he just looked fresh and he looked uh, strong and he just looked uh, sharp. And you're thinking, hmm, you know, there's a long season ahead. He's got plenty more time to pick up some of these uh, niggles again. But right now, <laughs> this could be beneficial, you know? Yeah, definitely. I think from a selfish point of view for Johnny Sexton, it's great. He's going into his last year of his Irish contract. Um, if he's feeling good about himself, then I'm sure he's definitely thinking that he can offer a bit more to Irish rugby and Leinster rugby for maybe another year, two years. Um, and if he's able to perform on the pitch and show that he is looking fresh, he is looking sharp, then that'll go a long way to hopefully trying to secure him another deal with the RFU. I think Johnny's um, definitely won't want to travel away again. I think you know if he is going to retire from professional rugby, he will want to do that in Ireland. Um, but yeah, I, I thought he looked tremendous. He was physical at times. He still hasn't learned how to tackle properly um, in the in the lockdown. So he took a he took a yeah yeah he took a couple of um, heavy blows from CJ Stander as always. But yeah, like there was a couple of other players. I thought Andrew Conway looked exceptional. Any time he touched the ball, um, he stepped James Lowe on the on the right hand side, and James mm-hmm. Lowe actually turned around and started laughing as if like you know. Why did that happen? It shouldn't have happened, but it did. It was just a really good uh, step and a great finish. And Clute Day obviously got the, the drive on him also. So, yeah, there was there were some players that looked really sharp, and then there was other players that looked way off the pace. Yeah. Um, like, like Craig Gilroy is a really – he's a good friend of mine. And, you know, if, if I'm slating him or giving him a hard time or constructive criticism, he'll always send me a text and, you know, be a bit, a bit of banter. But, you know – the ball was whipped across and I think it was Perch or whoever was breaking through for Connor. And like Gilly had his, his back to the attack and it's like, you know, you should always be square on the on the attack and trying your best. And that's just lack of match uh, practice and lack of game time. It's all well and good getting away with that kind of stuff and training. Mm. So you look at somebody like Johnny who can back straight into the mix and you look at somebody like Craig who it might take him two or three games to get back up to speed again. So, Every individual is different, um, but I definitely think there's other players that looked a lot sharper than, than some. Yeah, absolutely. Um, just staying with the with the Munster Leinster game briefly. Then, like Munsters, we, we you talked about you tipped Munster to win last week, and you were very very close for that to come off. And one of the reasons you did was because the new big second row, Orji Snyman, who was going to change the game for them. And for seven minutes, it looked like you might be onto something here. And then. Like, oh, God, I can't even... I knew the second he was gone off, I said, that's his crew should gone. It's the last we'll see of him for a year. Right at the start of an elongated season as well that he's going to miss. Like, that's just such a kick in the teeth for Munster. But, you know, even that aside, I thought that they showed, like, they're going to miss Kilcoyne and Klein now as well for a while. So it's all it's going to be really tough for them for the rest of this season. But it looks like Munster have putting it together a little bit. And I thought that the combination of the Alande and Farrell, especially in midfield just seem like oh that that's something now there we we found something to yeah. click there that we haven't seen in a long time uh in a, in a monster midfield especially i thought farrell was exceptional he was, i yeah. think he uh he, he was a bit more of a ball player too you know i, I know that um around the corner pass that he gave for for the combo that set up the conway try but he just seemed to every time he got the ball he ran out a soft shoulder he never got smacked uh, head on very rarely and he always seemed to get that one yard two yards even for their first try when Conway scored the first try he was the guy that gave them the couple of yards and then Dale Andy he nearly scored two phases after Farrell took it up 
So they're having huge involvements, and that's what you want from your centres. Um, and I, I thought both lads played really, really well. Munster looked um, they looked dangerous off quick ball. They, they really did. I thought JJ Hanron stepped up to the plate. There's been a lot of talk about him. Um, obviously, Joey Carberry out injured once again, but um, he done really, really well. And like, I honestly think if, if Snyman hadn't went off injured, like that, it would have been a different game. Yeah. Um, I I, th- I think Munster would have would have won the game. And it's easy saying that now. Like Leinster could have kicked on and used their power game in the second half, and you know stuck it up the jumper a bit more, scrummed the mold uh, Munster off the pitch, but they didn't. And that's fair play to Munster. They came back into it. They showed a lot of fight. And you know I think there was a few words maybe said at half time to mm. to go out there and, and get stuck in and see what happens. And you know JJ missed a kick in the last uh, the last couple of minutes to to get a draw. Um, but yeah, like. That injury, Mick, was, uh, you know, I feel sorry for him having to spend the depths of winter in Limerick now, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> he's going to get a wake-up call, isn't he? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. He's going to find out what rain is, I think, for the, in, the next, in the next few months, unfortunately. Uh, but, uh, yeah. you know, he, he may go home, but, like, that is... Uh, that's such a kick in the teeth. But um, again, I think Munster showed signs that they're um, definitely developing, as you mentioned there. They kind of have to win this weekend against Connacht like a bonus point might be enough obviously the Scarlets might not win whatever it might be they're unlikely to catch Edinburgh so it's looking like you know again not to rule out Connacht or anything like that but it, it's looking like another Munster-Leinster game in a couple of weeks yeah. um, would you say that Leinster have more improvement than Munster based on what we're talking about when you know and who hits the ground running and everything like that Did not that Munster missed their chance because they're two completely different games and they'd have to play both of them anyway but uh, you know, I don't know. My amateur opinion would be that that Leinster have more to step up than than Munster. Yeah, I think it felt like Leinster had another gear at the yeah. weekend. Um, felt like Munster were 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 getting back to we know where we know they can be, but Leinster were kind of just going through the motions for large parts of the game. Um, it felt like they get up their physicality stakes to probably some something similar to what Connor showed on the Sunday game and even probably a little bit more. There's still players to bring back, you know, Tag Furlong in the, in the mm. front row. He's going to add um, a bit of dynamism in there and, uh, you know, a couple of players in the back row, they can switch things around. So, yeah, I certainly feel that Leinster have another gear to give and it wouldn't surprise me if it was Leinster Munster, the way it's looking like in, in a semi-final, that, you know, they, they won that game by 15 points. That's just mm. kind of, the, the team they are at the minute. They got across the line. They didn't play their best rugby by any stretch, um, but they got the job done against Munster. And they've, they haven't had many games like that this yeah. season. You know, I think it was the, the Zebra game away that they scraped a 3 0 win. But apart from that, they've been pretty convincing all season. Mm. So um, I think for Munster in a couple of weeks' time, it'll just be let's throw the kitchen sink at them, try and put them under a bit of pressure see what happens if you're in the game with half an hour to go you just never know in a knockout game but as I said there Mick it, it, it does feel like Leinster can shift it into third or fourth gear they're playing Ulster this weekend we'll talk more about the Ulster performance in, in a minute um, at the weekend and whether there's any worries there but how much do you think so it's funny this unbeaten thing it's obviously going to hang over them in a certain way and get into your head a little bit but the long break it almost messes, you know, breaks the season a little bit but suddenly you hang on and you win a close one like this it becomes it becomes a thing again now, you know, and you've got max yeah. five games to go that could make 
unbelievable history, not just winning the double, but to win every game on the way to do it. It's a long, bloody way to go. All the hardest matches are still to come. But that's going to start getting into their heads a little bit now, and it becomes suddenly a meaningless game like this on Saturday becomes a pretty big deal, at least for Leinster. Yeah, and, and I think how you combat that is by selecting guys um, who are, you know, they're not the first teamers. They're not the guys who might go out there and, and be a little casual. You know, the, the, the second guys who are coming in and they're fighting for every inch to try and give themselves an opportunity to get a Leinster jersey on their back again mm-hmm. in the next couple of two or three weeks. So I think Leo might make a number of changes and it wouldn't surprise me if they go out and they play better than they did last week. Um, that's what they've done all season you know the 50 odd players they've used and they all seem to play at a certain level a level that Leo and um, Stuart Lancaster and the rest of the coaching staff expect week in week out so yeah it is easy to switch off become casual um, maybe not take the game as seriously due to there is the, it's pretty much a dead rubber and for, for, for Leinster like so um, yeah I, I have a funny feeling Leo make a, lot, a, a raft of changes and, and mm. give guys your chomping in the bed opportunity Ulster then um, again the, like the Glasgow lost before the game on Saturday on Sunday so they knew that they were in the semi-finals it did change things massively I think Dan McFarlane yeah. said he wished Glasgow had won and might have given them that impetus to go on but I think even so like we're, we're, we can talk about how good Connacht were but like Connacht hit the ground running looked really sharp looked like they're a team that it's a pity they've only got two games uh, this year and still Ulster who didn't play well could have beat them so it's probably not all doom and gloom, but suddenly you have to go to Leinster and find a little bit of form with different players because a semi-final comes up very, very quickly and you don't have much rugby or much form behind you. No. Um, uh, yeah, like the, the worrying thing um, for Ulster was like I thought they were probably 12 to 15 points, um, you know, beaten by Connor on another day. Um sure. Like their their set piece was shocking. Like it was really poor. Um, any of their lineouts that they actually won was were scrappy. You know, the overthrows that were regathered yeah. or underthrows that were regathered, and they just couldn't get a foothold. Um, the likes of Stuart McCluskey, yes, he made a couple of half breaks. He got a couple of offloads away that set up opportunities. But um, I wasn't sitting at the side of the pitch on Sunday, Mick, saying, "Geez, I really fancy Ulster here to to make a line break off this first phase." possession it just mm-hmm. felt like everything was so scrappy and maybe that's just rusty you know a bit of ring rust and um more confidence i think you know when bundyaki stands shouting in the middle of the field your hooker can't throw your hooker can't hit a barn door like you know it is it is gonna um un- unsettle you ever so slightly uh but that's what big games and that's all the sledging that happens you gotta take it and you you, you gotta use it to your advantage and um, I think some of the young guys that were brought in s- struggled ever so slightly um, and didn't really step up to the plate. So I expect Rob Herring to come back in. It'll be interesting to see if Carter starts the next game. I, he, he come on and like, I'm, I'm just I'm just not 100% sold. Like, I'm not. Um, you know, you, you look at Snyman and then you look at Carter there and, and you know, the physicality of, of, of both those two guys. Um, I, I could be completely wrong. I suppose I didn't. I didn't see enough of Carter last year. I know he went off injured with that shoulder injury against Bath, the European Cup. And we didn't see him the rest of, until until now and the end of the season. But I just think 
there needs to be more physicality. Like there has to be more physicality. Connaught beat the crap out of them. Like, and that's one thing I would be bringing up in a review session. When was the last time a Connaught team actually gave Ulster a bit of a beating? Like, it's been a long time, 25 games, Ulster won 19 of them. Like, in Connacht 4 or 5, and there was a draw in there. So, like, I'm not going to say it was embarrassing. It wasn't embarrassing because they did have a chance to win. But it wouldn't sit well with me getting into uh, another week off the back of getting a bit of a beating by, by Munster. Yeah. Like, Marcel Kutsia was fantastic as always. Every time he touched the ball, he gave the team momentum. And there was two or three times where he went round the corner, smacked it up, took two or three lads with him, three or four yards. And then the next pass and the next one, it hit Treadwell and he knocks it on. And then he hits somebody else and he knocks it on. And I could just tell, like, Marcel was like, lads, I am trying my best here to give us a bit of go forward. And we just keep messing it up in two or three phases later. And that's kind of summed up the game. There was yeah. just too many mistakes, too many mistakes. Um, the line out didn't function well. The physicality wasn't there. Um, when you combine all those three, Mick, um, you're probably going to be on the losing end. And another interesting stat is that every time Ulster have been losing at half time this season, they've lost the match. So going in at half time, losing the match, um, there was this feeling that you know they were going to struggle to get back into it because Ulster scored a lot of points in the first 20 minutes of of their matches. I think it's 14 tries uh, this season in, in the in the first quarter of games. So uh, that was definitely a ploy from Connacht get stuck into them early. Um, lay down a marker uh, and take it from there. Yeah, I thought it was telling actually in the last five minutes when you would expect the the you know the more established team to kind of go out and grab the thing that it was Connacht that went down and scored the kind of ceiling yeah. try um, that won that that won the game in the end. Just lastly on Ulster, um, you know it wasn't the greatest game uh, in the world to try it. It's not the first time, but from an Ireland point of view, I suppose we're looking at James Lowe coming in and Jacob Stockdale being picked at fifteen. Is that something that you see as a as a long term project? Uh, personally, no, I don't. Okay. Um, I, I, like Jacob Stockdale scores bundles of tries. Um, he's a great finisher, um, and his best position is on the wing. Like I know he played Irish under twenties at fullback, but uh, I think it's just because he was four, four or five inches taller than everybody like back then. Um, I, I thought at the weekend. He, he was okay. He didn't make that many mistakes. He was okay under the high ball. But again, the stats don't lie. 65% um, tackling success rate in the Pro 14 this season. It's just not good enough. Um, and you're going to get caught out in international rugby. I think James Lowe, we all know what he's capable of. And generally, he does produce it in the huge games. You know, when you mm. when you see it in the, in the big games, he does produce his best rugby. But I thought it was a brilliant little story to, to finish off the match um, when Andrew Conway stepped him on the inside and scored. As Conway scored two tries. He looked very good. He's always very busy. Mm. Um, and I, uh, I don't think James Lowe is going to leapfrog Andrew Conway anytime soon. Um, and that's just my own opinion on it. But yeah, yeah. Stockdale at 15. I think they tried it a few times before lockdown. Like he's grand. He's got a good left foot. He, he's rock solid but like Louis Ludic has played more game time at 15 than Stockdale has but yet Louis Ludic was on the wing and Stockdale was at 15 so I think there maybe has been something Mick from the RFU to say look give Jacob a okay. bit of time at 15 just to see how he gets on because what's what's the other reason behind it yeah yeah I was going to say is it trying to be too smart or whatever but coming from the RFU is definitely definitely an interesting one uh, yeah I suppose you've got 
Keith Earls thrown into the mix there and suddenly you've got four wingers that are probably international standard that are all going to be looking for t- the same two positions. Um, back to Connacht then just briefly before we finish up because they can actually scupper Munster's chances this week and I think they're going to make a lot of changes but from like they just seem like a team that again it's almost a pity that they've only got the two games that's just the way it works yeah. uh, but you know it's not too long until next season but that they looked like a team that were putting it together a little bit like Andy Friend's been there now had time to kind of establish himself they've a lot of good players on that team I think we forget that sometimes and they've got that little bit of strength and depth now as well you know like even someone like Caelan Blade wasn't even playing this week you know and, mm-hmm. and, and, and you don't miss him but do they look like a team to you that could put together a, a you know, not not quite maybe their 2016 run again. That might be unrealistic, but that can compete week in, week out, and maybe kind of you know break the the top three and you know in in the Irish rankings in the Pro 14 next season. Yeah, I think their front five really needs to. Um, well, that's where the games are won and lost, and the big games, like when you're talking about getting to where they were a couple of years ago. I, I think their front five needs to improve. Um, you know, that's just again a personal opinion. You look at somebody like Exeter, Saracens, you know, Leinster. Their front five are giving teams bit hidings week in, week out. And Connacht certainly have the ability, the physicality. You can never question what they bring to bring to a match. And at the weekend, there, I was actually blown away by some of the hits and the enthusiasm that they showed to get off the line. They closed Ulster down, give them no space. <clears throat> but it was also in their attack. Like, there was a bit more of the Pat Lamb where um, the old rugby league, you know, two men up, up, up top, you can hit either man, the option out the back, another option out the back. And they seem, always seem to have options in attack. And when they got quick ball, um, they, they certainly caused Ulster trouble, especially in those wide channels. So, yeah, I, I like the look of what they brought to the table. Um, it was brilliant to see Jack Hardy uh, find a little bit of form. I thought he looked um, very comfortable with the, with ball in hand and distributing it across the back line. Bundyaki was just in a world of his own. He was just loving life, uh, running around, um, giving shouting lads at lads. <laughs> yeah, shouting, shouting the lads and. Um, G and his own team up um, and obviously the fullback Porch he got man of the match so yeah I think they look dangerous Wooten as well coming up from Munster um, he looked sharp on the wing and yeah like like the, the, they will give Munster a serious game this weekend and uh, yeah they're going to make a raft of changes I was chatting to Paddy McAllister who looks like he's going to probably be starting this weekend they, they kind of went with two 15s so it'd be interesting, Mick, if those two 15s have actually been trained against each other the last couple of weeks in yeah. training, some some full contact sessions with the two 15s, and then one's playing this week, one's playing next week, um, and it's a bit of a shop window for Andy Friend to say, right, yeah, um, this, this guy's you know up for it, this guy isn't. Um, so yeah, no, it'll be interesting to see how they go. Yeah, and I suppose if they do put in a similar performance with a completely different team, then suddenly you start looking at what the coach is doing there. And, yeah. you know, it's, it's a lot more than just the talent that they have on the pitch. But looking forward to it anyway, actually, the, the two games, which might not seem like as much at stake, but at stake as last week, but it's kind of leading into the business end of the shortened season and it should be interesting. But it's great to have it back anyway. Um, and it definitely kind of dawned on me halfway through the Ulster Connacht match. God, this is great. This is, uh, this is something else I can look forward to every weekend now for the rest of, uh, yeah. for the, rest of the month or two anyway. Thanks a million, Stevie. No worries. Cheers, Nick.